Welcome to another episode of Nashville Anthems, a podcast that tries to make explicit what, if you're like me, you can still feel in the country music of the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Melton McMainerberry, and I want to thank the band Hopkins Antler for providing the theme music for today's episode. Today I may be all by myself, but I've got that feeling that Colin Ray is standing right behind me. Maybe it's just me. Or maybe it's because in today's episode, we're trying to get a sense of his 1998 hit, I Can Still Feel You. So if you haven't already, I hope you'll pause this podcast and give a close listen or two to I Can Still Feel You. I'll also be referencing a past Nashville Anthems selection in this episode, if you want to dust that one off too, Vince Gill's Pretty Little Adriana. Actually, I'll be referencing a bunch of songs we previously covered on the Nashville Anthems, so why not go back and listen to the whole catalog? And encourage a friend to do so while you're at it. All right, but uh, seriously, listen to whatever you want or don't. But either way, let's get into the meat of I Can Still Feel You. First off, as always, we want to give credit where credit is due. Colin Ray recorded and released I Can Still Feel You in 1998 as the lead single from his fifth studio album, The Walls Came Down. And the single went all the way to number one on the Billboard Country Charts. The song's writers were... Tammy Hyler, and Kim Tribble. Those two aren't maybe as well-known as some other country songwriters we've mentioned on this podcast, but Kim Tribble wrote another 90s classic, the late Mindy McCready's Guys Do It All the Time, a song I'm sure we'll get to soon enough. Well, finally, Colin Ray's I Can Still Feel You was produced by Billy Joe Walker, Paul Worley, remember him? He sang to me one of the saddest country songs ever recorded. And Colin Ray himself helped produce I Can Still Feel You. Okay, now let's get into some key features of I Can Still Feel You that, to me, make the song what it is. And, as is our MO here, see what those things can maybe help tell us about 80s and 90s country music more generally. Well, first, I want to say that this song is of its time. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if I Can Still Feel You isn't an example of late 90s pop country, I don't know what is. Country music kind of went in these overarching stylistic waves in the 80s and 90s, starting with the yacht rocky pop country of the early 80s, then moving into neo-traditionalism as the pendulum started swinging back in the late 80s and on into the early 90s, whereby the mid-90s production techniques started to change and the whole thing started to sound more manufactured, a phenomenon we discussed regarding an early example of that in our last episode on Joe Diffie's third rock from the sun. By the late 90s, you had the influence of Shania Twain. Not that there's anything wrong with this necessarily, mind you. I personally like Shania Twain's music. But anyway, you had that influence as country and something like adult contemporary pop music, whatever that means, started to merge. Then closer to the turn of the millennium, the pendulum started to swing back yet again, and there may be kind of a bifurcation. But you had second-wave neo-traditionalists like Brad Paisley starting to show up, while artists like the Dixie Chicks and Sarah Evans, whom we haven't yet covered... And maybe Jody Messina, Phil Vassar, and Kenny Chesney, whom we have, start to blend the pop sound with something more rootsy or bluegrassy. So, within those admittedly overly broad strokes I just described, you have acts like Colin Ray, who were maybe a little bit along for the ride and whose vocals naturally skewed pop anyway. So, the late 90s country pop wave was kind of perfect for them. And they leaned into it, even as some of the like next wave neo-traditionalists were starting to come around. Other good examples of this phenomenon are a couple of bands that came around, or at least 
came around to full country pop shortly after I Can Still Feel You came out. And those are Lone Star and Rascal Flats. I think those two especially really form the camp, if you can call it that, that a song like I Can Still Feel You fits right into. I prefer a bad excuse, no news. You can hear it, right? I mean, this song is very much of a piece with what those acts were doing in, say, 1999 and 2000. Which, maybe I'm stating what's going on backwards, given the chronology, I I admit that, but I don't know how much we can say that any of these artists, except like hyper-influential ones like Shania Twain and probably the Dixie Chicks, caused these title shifts. Almost all artists simply rode them, and that's certainly what's going on here. So, all right, so all that said... And as we've said before, I'm not a country purist, whatever that means or anything like that. I don't mind pop country per se. Nevertheless, if someone put a gun to my head and told me they'd spare me only if I could explain why I can still feel you as country, I'm not sure I would survive that encounter. I certainly wouldn't point to the shiny, crisp production, the overwrought percussion, the specific sound of the electric guitars, or even Colin Ray's vocals, the latter of which we'll return to in a moment. I guess maybe I could point to the violin solo. There is also some acoustic rhythm guitar in there and maybe some very light banjo. Call me crazy, just kind of strumming chords once in a while. I mean, it's very light. You said you'd love me forever. Then you said it's over and left me. All right, so light that I admit I may be imagining it. Maybe I am crazy. Anybody else hear that in there? Or is it just me? Along those lines, we should talk about those violins. I say violins, plural, because I think what you're hearing is two violins playing the same thing or one that's double-tracked. But I think they are slightly out of sync in terms of time, or maybe there's a light echo in there. Again, it's very slight, and I admit I could be imagining this. But however it's produced, it's a very bright, in-your-face version of country violin with none of the slides or specific harmonies that you'd expect from a traditional country fiddle. I mean, the production is such that it is starting to sound like electric guitars rather than violins. You know what I mean? I actually had to stop and think and make sure I was really hearing violin there and nothing else. And I I think I am. But it's like the producers went out of their way to make that solo not sound like honky-tonk fiddle. And it works. It doesn't. I also want to note something along these lines. My struggle to identify what's going on instrumentally in this song isn't just due to my questionable ear. It's the production. Everything is recorded and mixed brightly with these crisp, clear edges. And even I can tell the recording is heavily compressed. And you can really not just hear it, but feel it on this recording. I can It's like I mentioned in Third Rock from the Sun, it isn't just that individual elements sound a certain way in this recording, but that the whole thing feels mechanized in a way, computer-generated, if you will, with lots of different sounds like stuffed into a box, rather than being more organic, live, and handcrafted, like what we've heard in some of our early 90s selections, late 80s. It's country music in designer jeans. Now, 
I mentioned I would come back to Colin Ray's vocals. Let's do that, because they certainly contribute to the pop country vibe of this song. Really, of Ray's entire catalog. I mean, this is just what he sounds like. Even selections that are far less produced, like the song he's maybe best known for, his first hit, Love Me, feature a smooth, clean, twang-free tenor vocal that is really the opposite of the honky-tonk style of guys like Joe Diffie, whom we covered last time. If you get there before I do. And in that, Colin Ray gives the lie to something I said in that last episode, which is that all country men that succeeded George Jones are in some way trying to sound like George Jones. You know, not so with Colin Ray. I have to say, that's just not his style. He's closer to a couple of other twang-free tenors we've covered on Nashville anthems, Steve Warner and Vince Gill. I woke up screaming this morning Are you lonesome tonight? But no one is going to say that those two guys aren't country. We talked about this in the Linda episode, but both Gil and Warner being accomplished guitar players as well as singers, you can absolutely hear the country influence in their twangy guitar style. Moreover, Gil's vocals, while not twangy, had that nasal quality that's characteristic of bluegrass, something we talked about in the Pretty Little Adriana episode. But Colin Ray really has neither of those things going on. He's not a well-known guitar player, and he doesn't sound bluegrassy when he sings. So what's, if you will, lacking in his George Jones influence, he doesn't also, if you will, make up for in other ways like those guys do. And, you know, I don't like how I'm saying that. Colin Ray's a great singer, and I'm not wanting to say or imply that anything is deficient in his vocals. But I do think the point is true and worth making, that one reason this song fits right into late 90s pop country is that Colin Ray's vocals particularly suit that style, precisely in their lack of conformity to the honky-tonk style of guys like Ray's contemporary Brad Paisley and of most of the neo-traditionalists of a few years earlier. But let's get back to Vince Gill, and particularly the song Pretty Little Adriana, because that's the other place I want to go in this deep dive. I want to hold I Can Still Feel You Up next to Pretty Little Adriana and see how they compare. So we've already talked about the differences and similarities in vocal timbre, with the Gill influence on Colin Ray's vocals being abundantly obvious. These guys are both definitely tenors, and they aren't shy about living in that upper register, as we hear in the melody note that begins each song's chorus. That was an A in Pretty Little Adriana, and it's just a half step down to a G sharp, and I can still feel you. Oh, my pretty little Adriana. I can still feel you just as close as skin every now and then. Both of those notes have come up a few times for us on Nashville Anthems because they are way up at the top, if not beyond, the typical male vocal range. If you hear a man singing those notes full voice like Gil and Colin Ray pretty much do here, you know you've got a pure tenor on your hands. Contrast the way Gill and Ray sing their high notes with Travis Tritt's high A, which we talked about on I'm Gonna Be Somebody. Tritt nails the note, but it sounds high. That's part of its appeal. On the other hand, we talked about Marty Rowe from Diamond Rio's easy G sharps at the beginning of the chorus of That's What I Get for Loving You, which itself mimicked the same thing in Meet in the Middle. Rowe is a tenor, so it doesn't sound like a stretch when he sings that note. To say nothing of the Vince Gill-esque Gene Johnson's effortless high Bs above those G-sharps that help them not sound high, at least until you try to sing along if you're a guy. 
Anyway, Colin Ray is maybe something in between, but closer to a pure tenor than not. So not quite in Gene Johnson or Vince Gill's stratosphere in terms of making the high notes sound effortless, but also not making the notes sound like a showstopper, like someone like Travis Tritt, who's closer to a natural baritone, would do. Notice, too, the function of those high notes to start the choruses of I Can Still Feel You and Pretty Little Adriana. Both are the major sevenths of the four chords. That's a mouthful, but we went into this idea in some detail in the Pretty Little Adriana episode. The four chord, also called the subdominant chord, is one of the common chords played in 1-4-5 popular Western music. It's the most dramatic of the three, the most disruptive, the one that feels like you're moving into another phase of the song, progressing in a way, something like that. And it is a common move to begin choruses with the four chord for that reason. Third Rock of the Sun did it, for example. Wild One did it. Neon Moon does it. A bunch of songs we've covered do it. Significantly, Look at Us, though, did not do it in its middle eight. Instead, going to the five chord, that subtle key change that we talked about, a very restrained sort of move to go down to the five chord, which amps the drama down versus the more natural, typical four chord, which ramps it up. It fits that song perfectly, but hold on to that thought. There's something for us there regarding that idea of restraint, and I can still feel you. But anyway, I can still feel you and Pretty Little Adriana both go to the four chord at the beginning of the chorus. That's a B-flat chord in Pretty Little Adriana because that song was an F. That's an A chord in I Can Still Feel You because that song is a half step lower in the key of E. Now, sharp ears will have caught that those chords don't sound right compared to the melody notes I mentioned that Gil and Ray sing at the beginning of those song's choruses, respectively. And that's because those notes are not part of those standard triads. They are, in fact major sevenths, the note most easily thought of as a half step down from the root of the chord. So the major seventh of Pretty Little Adriana's B-flat chord is an A note, and the major seventh of I Can Still Feel You's A chord is a G-sharp note. Hear how that note adds a touch of pensive melancholy to the chord? Major sevenths are good at that, especially when they're highlighted in the melody, especially when they're in the upper vocal register of a song, and especially on the otherwise dramatic four chord. So, I won't labor this point anymore since we sat on it for a while in the Pretty Little Adriana episode, but the takeaway is that both songs start the chorus with a tenor voice belting out a major seventh over a four chord, such that whatever drama there is, And the song is tied to a sense of pensive melancholy. That makes sense because the subject matters of the two songs are pretty similar, right? Let's say it out loud. We said all this in the Pretty Little Adriana episode as well, but let's highlight it here because... In a moment, we're going to get to an area where these two songs strongly diverge, and that divergence is all the more pronounced when you consider how similar they are otherwise. So both songs make heavy use of apostrophe, meaning they address someone who isn't there. Each song is inside its own head, in that sense, so to speak, the whole time. Not a syllable is uttered that isn't addressed directly to the person who it is the entire point of the song to note is, in fact, not there. Even if she feels there, even if she is in the singer's every thought and dream, even if her shadow feels like it's falling on you from behind all the time, the singer knows that if he turns around, there will in reality be no one there. 
And the person who was not there is someone with whom these singers once had a now-lost intimate relationship. The songs largely are laments about that very lost intimacy. So a solo lament about being solo, singing alone about being alone, is about as pensively melancholic as one can get, and that's where the lyrics of both Pretty Little Adriana and I Can Still Feel You take us. But, but hold on. I Can Still Feel You, in another sense, sounds nothing like Pretty Little Adriana, am I right? Despite the extremely similar subject matter, reinforced by these major sevenths in the chorus, you'd never mistake one song for the other. And that's because I Can Still Feel You is, for me, unexpectedly upbeat. Right? It's a little incongruous. What is a song about yearning for lost love doing sounding this fast, energetic, and bright, none of which adjectives describe Pretty Little Adriana, an eagles-like, subdued, restrained sort of song, incorporating lots of sonic space, as we discussed in that episode. There is no space, and I can still feel you. It's much closer to the busyness of I'm Alright, a song noteworthy for its lack of breathing room. And remember, this is the same guy who did Love Me and In This Life. Colin Ray isn't exactly shy about ballads, He's quite good at them. His voice really lends itself to them. So I have to say, the disconnect between the words and music on I Can Still Feel You is a bit of a mystery to me. We have to wonder what this song would have sounded like had it been closer to Pretty Little Adriana or one of Ray's slower songs, which to me would have been more in line with the lyrics. Because what I'm really getting out here is the same point we made regarding Third Rock from the Sun, and that's a lack of subtlety or restraint or nuance in I Can Still Feel You. Notice this, this song really has two gears in terms of energy and two gears only, first and fifth. Listen to the way the chorus ends. The chorus is in fifth gear, but it downshifts all the way to first, right at the end with Ray singing the song title in the bottom of his vocal range, in what sounds like the natural end of the chorus. No one gets close to, I can still feel you. You're expecting a brief turnaround right there in another verse, but what you get is like a vocal tag to the chorus, which quickly ramps the energy up so that Ray repeats, I can still feel you in that lower register before jumping up the octave to belt that line out for the third time. I can still feel you. I can still feel you. And the instrumental turnaround is all the way back in fifth gear at that point where the rest of the chorus was before downshifting again to first for the verse or the bridge. You said you'd love me forever. The point is that there's no in-between, really. Nothing except those two extremes. Notice it on the instrumental break, too, that violin solo I mentioned. The song's in fifth gear there, sounding just like the chorus in terms of energy. I mean, really, that instrumental break is just an extended turnaround before the bridge. In everything that... That goes back to the point I made earlier about the song feeling a little too manufactured, too black and white, too clinical, lacking in color and nuance. As I mentioned in the last episode, in our overall goal to figure out what particularly works about 80s and 90s country, we sometimes have to tease out things about a particular song that don't work, at least to my ear. And I have to say, I think we have that here. I Can Still Feel You is incongruous because the musical feel doesn't really match the lyrical feel like it did so wonderfully in Pretty Little Adriana. 
And as it does in many of Colin Ray's other songs, for that matter, the aforementioned Love Me, which is a beautifully nostalgic acoustic ballad, for example, and then the other end of the spectrum, something like the explosion of pent-up energy, and I want you bad and that ain't good. But we turned all the way around and I can still feel you, and sadly found there really was nothing there, didn't we? That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So for better or for worse, let's plug the hole in I Can Still Feel You, a quintessential late 90s pop country song that makes some perhaps unexpected tonal choices in its packaging of otherwise pensive and poignant lyrics. And let's find out what song we'll be covering on the next episode of Nashville Anthems. I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. Ah, we have 80s powerhouse Alabama and their song Love in the First Degree. I look forward to getting into that one with you in two weeks. In the meantime, you can write me at MiltonMcMainerberry at gmail.com, particularly if you think I got this all wrong. I'd love to hear what does work about the what I think of as incongruity between the lyrical and musical tone of I Can Still Feel You. Also, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook under Nashville Anthems. And either way, I'll catch up with you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye now. I gotta go. I think I forgot something.